Well, hey, everybody, thank you so much for tuning in to Cultivate Church Online. We're so honored you're here. To all of our guests, welcome. Thanks for tuning in. We're in the final week of a series we've called Good Suffering. Good Suffering. We know that everybody walks through difficult seasons. And the truth is, God knew it all along. He never put us here on, an, on this earth, on an island by ourselves to try to figure it out apart from him. He told us over and over again in the Gospels, Jesus said, in this world, you're going to have trouble. But I love that he reminded us, take heart because I've overcome the world. He told us in advance, he said, so that we wouldn't lose heart when we walk through difficult seasons, that we wouldn't give up when we walk through hard times. And week one, we talked about having a proper perspective of going through difficult seasons, a proper perspective in suffering. The idea of good and suffering going together really doesn't make a lot of sense in today's culture, does it? Who, would, who loves to go through suffering? Who thinks any type of difficulty or hardship is a good thing? But we've learned over the course of the last three weeks that really God never wastes anything. He causes all things to work together, and we believe that. And we talked about in that first week having the proper perspective, seeing what we're walking through from the right angle. Week two, we talked about having purposeful pain, that there's a purpose behind all of it. Rick Warren said it this way. He said that God never wastes a hurt, that anything we've ever walked through, God can work around for our good and for his glory. And then last week, we talked about the process, that many of us go through pain and we don't necessarily understand how to walk out of it in a healthy way. And so last week, we talked about learning to submit ourselves to the truth of God's word, learning to worship through the pain. I love that passage of scripture that we shared uh, in the book of Acts where Paul and Silas had, were worshiping at midnight. Not only was it for their benefit, but people saw them, people witnessed it. And the world is watching all of us as followers of Jesus. It rains on the just and the unjust. Just because we follow Jesus doesn't mean we don't go through difficult things. And when we do, the world is watching how we respond. And I know that worship draws the presence of God into our circumstance and situation. And we learned how to do that. We talked about worshiping and uh, so many other options. I would encourage you to um, dive, log into the website or you can go to the church app and you can see all of those messages for free all of the time. And I believe it'd be a really big help to you in your faith journey as you walk out walking through difficult seasons of life. Our theme verse is 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 12 and 13. We'll read it together. It says, dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you're going through as if something strange were happening to you. Instead, be very glad for these trials make you partners with Christ in his suffering so that you will have wonderful joy of seeing his glory when it is revealed to the world. Again, we see in this passage of Scripture something that is completely countercultural. Be very glad when you go through difficult things. Why? Because God is reminding us that we are not of this world. And he'll walk us through every circumstance. Today, I want to talk to you. I want to share with you a handful of promises that come from God's Word, through His Word, and I believe through the power of the Holy Spirit as we walk through difficult seasons. I'm going to pray, and we're going to dive into those promises. Father, we love you. We're so grateful for your word today, that it's alive and breathing. It's for us. You gave it to us. God, over the course of thousands of years, hundreds, hundreds of people 
scribing it out, writing it out. God breathed through you. Even more so, all the way down to where we are today. And we believe it's the hand of God, the word of God for us. And so God, I pray today as we open it, that we recognize it for what it is, that it equips us, that it inspires us, and that it shows us direction in how do we walk this thing out in this life? How do we live a life on purpose that honors you? You'll get all the glory and all the honor for it in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're talking about the promises of God today. The Bible talks about it in Numbers chapter 23. It's a, it's a question that's asked, has God ever said anything? Has he ever promised anything and lied about it? The answer is no. He said he's not, God is not a man that he should lie. He, that any promise he's ever promised in his word and throughout history has always come true. And there's some promises, I want to share with you six of them today, that I believe come from his word in seasons of suffering, through seasons of suffering. There's always light at the end of the tunnel. Suffering is only for a season. The Bible reminds us that over and over again in the Old Testament, even through the New, that we go through difficult seasons, but God walks us through it and equips us to become, and James says, perfect, lacking nothing as a result of it. Difficult seasons are prerequisites. They're, they're prerequisites to promotion. God is preparing us for new seasons of life when we walk through hard things. And so he promises us some things as we're walking through it. So if you're taking notes, I would encourage you to write this down. One of the first promises I see in Scripture when we walk through difficult things is grace. It's the grace of God. Romans 3.24 says it this way, Yet God, with undeserved kindness, declares that we are righteous. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. Listen today, the, the difficult thing that, most, that many of us walk through, it's not, as a, it's not a result of the sin in our lives. The Bible says as followers of Jesus, we've been set free from the penalty of sin. Grace is the undeserved goodness of God given to us. I know there's probably many times in your life you can think of stories where you didn't deserve to be uh, turned loose from something or you didn't deserve to be given something, but somehow you were. I remember that when I was in college, I uh, entered into college my freshman year, had to take some math classes and and I'm not good at math, and I never was in high school, and I kind of just skipped by. And, and I remember taking my first college math class, and I failed it miserably. You go, how bad? How bad was it? Well, let me tell you this. By the, by the, by the, first, by the end of the first week of class, my professor came to me and said, Brandon, there's no possible way that you could pass this class. You have failed that bad. Don't even worry about coming back to class. And I remember being so defeated because I had failed that miserably. And I remember meeting my advisor in the next semester over the course of the semester, and I had a meeting with him, and he said, Brandon, he happened to be the chair of the math department. And he said, Brandon, I know that uh, your career field and what you're trying to do is, doesn't involve a lot of math. And uh, he said, I promise you, if you'll do this, he said, if you'll come to class this next semester and you will try really, really hard and you'll do all the homework and you'll do your very best, I'll make sure you pass this class. And to me, I'm telling you, that is an example of grace. I didn't deserve it. No possible way I could have earned it. But I stand here today having passed that math class, got and eventually earned a degree uh, and, and moved forward. And it was only because of the grace of somebody in my life because it's undeserved. And that's the reality of what God gives us. The things that we walk through in this life, it's not always because of a circumstance. Sometimes we walk through difficult seasons. Listen, y'all, the Bible says the enemy comes to steal kill and destroy 
it's a great possibility that the, the suffering that we walk through in this life is, is from an attack of the enemy. And in God's grace, he walks us through it. Now, Paul goes on to talk about it as he talks about the goodness of God through the grace of God. It's a reminder because I think when we, when we accept grace, many of us love to take advantage of what that looks like. Oh, it's the grace of God. Everything's, gonna, everything's covered by his goodness, by his grace. God is good but he's also every bit as just as he is good. He talks about it in Romans chapter six. He got Paul, as he's talking about all of the grace that God's given us, he says, now wait a minute. This doesn't necessarily, I know what this sounds like, but does this mean that we can keep on sinning so that God's grace could keep on displaying itself? He said, may it never be. He said, God forbid. As a matter of fact, in Romans chapter six, the Greek word that he uses there is the strongest negative phrase that can be used in the Greek language. Think of the most negative word we could use in the English language. He's saying, God forbid, may it never be that we would take the grace of God and use it as a license to live in sin. You see, God's grace is a promise to every person who would follow Jesus as Lord of their life. That though we would walk through difficult seasons and though things, though things happen in our life, the grace of God covers all of it. All of our sin, all of our pain, all of our hurt, it's covered by his grace. Number two, if you're taking notes, I love this one. He promises us attention. He gives us his full attention. The king of kings, the God that created the universe. I said it a couple of weeks ago in, uh, in one of our campuses that we worship a God that cannot be exaggerated. Like as big as we can make him, it's who he is. And yet him, he gives you and he gives me personal full attention. Psalm 32 and 8 says it this way. The Lord says, he speaks to us. I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. I'll advise you and watch over you. We have God's full attention. Isn't that incredible? What, a, what an incredible uh, truth to know. It's not something we can earn. His eyes were on us before we ever knew that, he, that we ever needed him. The Bible says that in 1 Peter that God in his great love for us sent Jesus and while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Before we ever needed, knew that we needed a savior, God sent Jesus for us. We had his full attention before we were ever formed in our mother's womb. It's a reality that we have his attention. Why do we have that? Because we belong to him. You know, I never really fully understood that until I had kids of my own. I remember when my daughter, she's 12, I remember the night that she, the day that she was born and going to the hospital and we induced labor and we were crazy nervous and we, didn't, we had no idea what to look forward to or what was going on or what was gonna come after those moments. But I remember knowing that the moment my daughter was born, that for the rest of her life, the rest of my life, she would have my full attention that there's nothing she would ever be able to do in her life that would, that would cause me to pull away from her. There was no wrong she could have done that would not have uh, provided an opportunity for me to try to right that wrong, correct it for her, show grace in every moment and every opportunity. 
Can I tell you something? It wasn't because everything was beautiful that day. It wasn't because everything was perfect that day. My wife was scared to death. As I recall that day, we were both scared to death. I remember them pushing me out of the room and, and them asking her all kinds of questions that I had no clue they were going to ask about me. And, and I remember being in the room when our child was born. And I don't know about you guys, but you know, all, all the ladies love to talk about how beautiful that experience is. It's not beautiful at all. I like to tell my wife, you think it's beautiful because you were drugged up. You don't remember. But it was scary, and it was not a beautiful experience. And then your kid comes, and then you're like, it's not because your child is so beautiful, because let's be honest, every child that's born in that moment, they look like little aliens, don't they, when they're coming out of the womb. And it's not a beautiful thing, but there's something magical. There's something supernatural that begins to happen the moment you lay eyes on your child. They're yours. They belong to you. And there's nothing in their life that, that would stop me as a father from giving them my full attention. When my kid gets an interest, I go all in. She was into jujitsu, ironically, a couple of years ago. I went all in with her. She's been involved in dance and different hobbies and things. And maybe one day she'll settle on one and we can just focus on that one. And, but everything she gets fully invested, I'm going to be fully invested in. I want to guide her. I want to direct her. I want to show her a proper pathway for her life. As a father, that's my hope. And that's the hope of the father for you. He loves you. He has, you have his full attention, not because he's trying to catch you doing something wrong, not because he's trying to catch you in a mess up or a slip up, but because you're his as a child of God. We have his full attention. And that's a beautiful, that's a promise of God that he'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. Number three, if you're taking notes, I love this one. He promises his provision. He promises his provision. In Philippians 4 and 19, it says, and this same God who takes care of me will supply all of your needs from his glorious riches which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. Isn't that good news? The same God. Hey, he's, Paul goes on to talk about that in Philippians 4. He says, listen, I'm lacking nothing. I've learned, the, I've learned this principle of life. I've learned how to be content in every season of life. He's never, there's, I've never had a need that God did not meet. There's never been a moment that his supply wasn't enough. And he says, the same God who did it for me will do it for you. And that's a testimony in my own life. There's never been a moment in my life that God did not show up in provision whenever I needed it. It may not have been what I thought. It may not have been in the context of which I had hoped it would be, but there was never a moment where the provision of God wasn't more than enough in my life. The promises of provision, however, it doesn't excuse lazy living, does it? Like we have to work like it depends on us and pray like it depends on God. And he'll never let you down. He'll never forsake you. But when you do your part and God does his part, provision is always there. I know a lot of times it's really easy to think we see this in our culture a lot. Have you ever met someone who's just like, I'm just praying. I don't know, I'm, I'm, I'm more qualified, to, I'm overqualified to do these things or to do these things. We see this in our culture today. So many people, we saw the great resignation over the last uh, year and a half, two years, and so many people saying, I'm worth more than this, and I'm not going to settle for this or this, and then they just don't, they're not working. They're not doing their part, yet expecting God to show up in supernatural provision. Well, the Bible talks about it in 2 Thessalonians 3, verse 10. He literally says, Paul said, if you don't work, you're not even worthy to eat. If you don't do your part, we can't expect the provision of God to show up on his end. 
Matthew 6, 33, the whole passage of Matthew chapter 6 is Jesus talking to his disciples. And he says, you're worried so much about all of this stuff and what are you going to eat and what are you going to drink and the kind of clothes you're going to have and the the level of life and income that you're going to have in this world. We get into the rat race of life and all we do is worry about that. And Jesus said the most important thing for us to do is to seek first the kingdom and then God will provide all of these things ahead. So when I do my part, and I'm seeking God, and I'm working like it depends on me, and I'm trusting him in the process, he promises his provision. God always provides. I remember when we planted this church, my wife and I, the Matthews family, we, we all pretty much sold everything that we had, and we had saved up a certain sum of money to try to get the church off of the ground. And my wife and I, we cashed out all of the money that we had saved up. Her, she had a small 401k that she had been earning over the a few years. We sold our vehicles and, and we launched this church. And there came a time in the middle of it, we recognized, we were here about six months and we recognized quickly, you know what? We've got to go get jobs. The provision isn't where we thought originally it was pre- going to be. So we said, God, we're going to trust you. So he provided jobs for us to work bivocationally while we launched this church. I could have sat back and prayed and hoped and wished and all of those things. And provision probably wouldn't have come in those moments. But I trusted God and he opened doors. And every open door that he opened, every door that he opened, I walked through and there was always provision. We went from job to job. We went from uh, scenario to scenario. When one dried up, when one well dried up, God provided another well. He's always provided. And I can promise you, if you look back over the course of your life, even in difficult seasons, even in moments where you thought there's just not enough, why is this going on? Why is this happening in my life? God was using those moments to teach you a lesson. And in those moments, there was still enough provision. You know what, when we planted, uh, we lived in a home together for the first year and we bounced around from different townhomes and rental places because what we could afford is what we could afford and we got what we could get and we moved into those directions knowing that as long as we trust the Lord and as long as we keep digging this ditch, he's always going to provide and God always did. He promises you his provision. Come on, today I'm encouraging you to look to God for your provision. Stop looking to man. Stop looking at a career. Stop looking at a certain circumstance or a certain situation. That's not your provider. That's not your source. Those are the tools that God uses to source you, but he is our source. He promises provision. Number four, if you're taking notes, I love this one. He promises support. Isn't that good news to know if you're following Jesus that you're not by yourself? You're not alone. I know the enemy loves to teach, loves to, to, to share and whisper into our ear that we're the only ones walking through this difficult season, that nobody understands the, the difficult thing that I'm walking through. But I, can I tell you that that's a lie? That's not true. There are so many people, even in the, just in the context of our local church at both campuses here at Cultivate Church, I would promise you that if people knew, if you, would, if you would get into a small group or you would start doing life with people, if you would get into relationship with others, you would learn that as you share your story, there's going to be a whole lot of people going, man, that's just like me. Me too. I'm going through the same thing. I've gone through similar scenarios. We're never designed to do it alone, and God didn't put us here without support. I love Isaiah 41 and 10. He promises supernatural support. Don't be afraid. I am with you. Don't be discouraged. I'm your God. 
I'll strengthen you and help you. I'll hold you up with my victorious right hand. God saying, if I can, I can do all things. The Bible reminds us, if God's for us, who can be against us? He provides support. There's nothing in front of you stronger than who's standing beside you. Come on, is God in your life? Are you allowing him opportunity to speak into your circumstance? There's nothing you would face that God can't overcome. He's our full support. Now, there's a couple of ways that he does that. Number one is supernaturally through the Holy Spirit. I call it supernatural support. These aren't in your notes. Write that down. Supernatural support. This is when the shoes don't wear out, the brakes in the car go a little bit further, the gas tank seems to go a little bit longer. You ever drove around on empty, and that empty tank just seems to keep on going just a little bit farther? That's supernatural support. The Lord promises his support. I can't begin to tell you how many times those kinds of things have happened in my personal life where things just didn't wear out. We were in a season of life where we just didn't get sick. Difficult things just didn't seem to happen as, as prevalent in those seasons where we just needed supernatural support. And that's probably true in your own life. Sometimes it's hard to see it with the fog of what's going on, but you're probably walking through seasons now where you've got the supernatural support of God and you don't even recognize it. So that's one area that he supports us. Another one is I believe he gives us godly community. He supports us. He surrounds us with people. There's nothing better than the support of godly community when you're walking through a difficult season. When's the time in your life when you, when you were going through something difficult and people showed up? They brought meals to your home. They gave you gas cards to get to and from the hospital or to and from an area so that you could be there and, and not have to worry about certain things. They stood. I remember when my wife, uh, when we had uh, our son, Shepard, and he was in the NICU for a few weeks, people just came and sat with us because they knew it was hard and it was difficult and we were going through something we haven't walked through before. We never had to worry about preparing a meal. We, had no, we knew that people were praying for us and, and encouraging us. It's godly community. There's a story in the Gospels where we share it often around here where there's friends who carried their paralyzed friend to Jesus and he couldn't get there by himself so they dropped him through a roof to touch Jesus and he got down at his feet and Jesus, the Bible says, seeing their faith, he forgave this man. He healed this man. You see, it's the faith of your community many times. Sometimes I believe this, that we walk through such difficult times that our faith isn't strong enough, our, our, uh, our encouragement isn't, isn't there, and we need people to have faith for us. What difficult season are you walking through right now alone, away from support? You see, God promises support. If you're walking through, if you're suffering through a season right now alone, I'm telling you, it is of your own accord. You need to get into community. God will provide the supernatural. He'll also provide the natural. You need to get into community and begin to open up and build relationships with people. Get on a team at Cultivate and begin to serve others around you. It makes a difference. That godly community is a support promised by God, by him. Number five, if you're taking notes, he promises us peace. This one's huge. I don't know about you, but there's been moments in my life that if I didn't have the peace of God in a circumstance, I don't know what I would have done. We've all gone through hard times, difficult seasons. One of the greatest things that God can give you when you're walking through a suffering season is peace. He talks about it in Philippians 4. Paul writes it. He says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Thank him for all that he's done. 
then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. Isn't that good news? His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. I think one of the most uh, important things that we can do is develop a strong prayer life in moments of suffering and difficult times. And it says, thank him for what he's done. Tell him what you need. Don't worry about it. Pray about it. I know that's easier said than done. I know that as, as you, know, you, you hear somebody stand up and speak that over you and you go, well, that's great, but you just don't know what I'm walking through. And maybe I don't know exactly what you're walking through, but I can from experience tell you story after story after story of times in my life that I, the only thing that got me through was, was God's purpose, God's supernatural support, his community and his presence of peace in my life. There's been so many times in my life where I had no clue how it was going to turn out, if it was going to turn out positively, if we were actually going to get to the other side of a circumstance, but there was something inside of me that said, even still, even when all common sense said I should be freaking out and I should be worried about everything, there was something in me that was a resolve and I could lay my head down at night and I could have peace because it was only through the power of the Holy Spirit that that was a possibility. Hey, man, why aren't you freaking out? You should be, if I were in your shoes, I would, I would be losing my mind. I don't understand it. All I can tell you, I can't necessarily explain it. All I can tell you is it's the power of the Holy Spirit. He's given me peace over the circumstance. He's done that through this church. There's been time and time again where we didn't know the outcome as we were growing this church and we were building campuses and we were raising resource to do the thing that we felt like God had called us to do and we had stepped out in faith and we felt like it was gonna be a really difficult season and lo and behold, God showed up and there was somehow a peace in the middle of it. I can tell you this, that some people never get through their difficult seasons because they lack the peace of God to walk them through it and they never survive it. They somehow take a left turn or they pull away or they walk away. I'm telling you, God promises you his peace. Dig into his peace. Lean into his presence. Let the peace of God guard your heart and guard your mind. Maybe you're here today and you're walking through a, a psychological difficult season. I know that right now, I believe there's people right now tuning in that have been suffering with uh, potential suicidal thoughts. Maybe you're dealing with, I don't know how, there's no other way out of this. I don't see another way out. I don't see another corner that I could turn. And you need the peace of God to guard your heart and guard your mind. When, you're, when your guard is let down and the enemy is attacking your mind with anxiety and depression and hurt and bitterness and anger, that's where the peace of God can come in and he can guard it for you when you're not strong enough to do it. And can I tell you, how about let him do it all the time? We're never really strong enough to, uh, to, to fend off the attack of the enemy that way, but God promises his peace when we seek him first. What does it look like for me to have the peace of God? Peace on the outside comes from knowing God on the inside. And I would encourage you this way. Stop trying to keep pace with everybody else around you. It's just gonna drive you crazy. Stop looking around on social media and comparing your life with other people and trying to keep the pace of the world and culture around you. Listen, the peace of God is more important than keeping pace with everybody else. The peace of God is more important than trying to act and feel like I've got it all together. Trust God, his promise is true. He'll give you peace in every circumstance. And then the last thing I'll share with you today is God promises his eternity. I think that's the greatest promise of all the things that he could give us. The greatest promise is what, the, is what he paid the greatest price for. John eleven twenty five 25 said it this way. Jesus told the woman, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live 
even after dying. Here's what I know, that you're walking through a difficult season. I know many people are. It's a tough, it's a tough time. But I know this, that this life is but a vapor. And so many people live their entire, every bit of our energy is focused on this short life. We wake up every day and we strive to gain and get ahead and get, and we do whatever we can by any means possible, any means necessary to get ahead in this life and overcome and, and quote unquote, be happy and attain the American dream and all the things. And all that really does is trap us in this rat race and we focus on everything except the things that really matter. And Jesus, just like he told Lazarus, his sister in John chapter 11, I'm the resurrection and the life. I'm, it's about me. Anyone who believes in me will live even after they've died. There is more to life than this life. Maybe you would survey your life right now where you are, wherever you're tuning in from. Come on, what's the purpose behind what you're doing? You're waking up every day. You're going through life. You're doing something. You're going through a difficult season. Maybe you're consumed with the difficulty of the season you're in right now. But what if I could encourage you to take your eyes off of you and place your eyes on eternity? What if I told you that, that though this life is short and all of the things that consume it, that Jesus came to give you a, a proper eternity? You see, the Bible tells us that, that we're all born into sin, all of us that there's none of us that doesn't have sin in our life. It's a result of sin entering into the world thousands of years ago. And all of us are born separated apart from God. And God knew that. And the Bible says in Acts 17, it says that God devised a plan that he caused everything to happen for this purpose. He, uh, God caused the oceans to stop where they would stop and the world to spin the way it spins. Everything happened for a purpose and he even sent his son to die on a cross, live a perfect sinless life. And he came back from the dead, the Bible tells us. You know why Jesus did all of that? Why he sacrificed himself for, these, for this purpose? So that maybe you and I one day would feel our way back to him. You see, God wants to settle your eternity. He has promised those who follow his son as Lord and Savior. He's promised, he's promised a secure eternity. He said, I'm the resurrection and the life. He told Nicodemus in John chapter 4, he said, For God so loved the world that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life, everlasting life. It says in Romans 3.23 that we've all fallen short of the glory of God. All of us have sinned. In Romans chapter 6, it says that, the, that the, the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is salvation. It's eternity with Jesus. Where do you stand in your relationship with the Lord right now? Maybe you're walking through a difficult season, and this difficult season, ever what it is, God may not have caused it, but he's going to use it to point you back to him. And maybe in this difficult season, in this moment, you've heard this word, and you've heard the promises of God over your life. And maybe for the first time or maybe for the first time in a long time, you recognize that you need an authentic, personal relationship with him. I'm going to lead you in a prayer right where you are. And this is you. You would say, Father, forgive me of my sin. I'm so sorry that I've done it in my own strength. I've made decisions in my own abilities. And God, if I'm honest, I've, I've, I've not really paid attention to your way. I've not really paid attention to your word. I'm not really connected to godly community. I don't really understand what it, what it even means for to have supernatural support. I've not lived my life following you. 
But today I confess my sin. Jesus, I ask that you would forgive me of my sin. I turn from my old life. I lay it all down at the foot of the cross. Jesus, I pick up your ways. God, teach me, guide me, direct me. Help me to live my life on purpose in a way that honors you. Today, Jesus, I confess you as Lord of my life and I receive you as my Savior. Thank you for the grace that you're placing on my life. And Father, I pray for all of my friends today, people walking through suffering seasons. Help us to understand that there is a thing called good suffering, that you cause all things to work together for the good of those that love you and are called according to your purpose. So, Father, in this moment when we don't necessarily understand what's going on, when we don't necessarily understand, when we're confused by what you're allowing in our life, we just lean in and we trust your plan, that you have a good plan for us, one to prosper us, not to harm us, to give us a hope and a future. And so today we lean into that. And, God, we give you all of the glory for all of the things that you're going to do in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.